Welcome back to another hour of Sky Chatter. My name's Noah. And I'm Jesse. All right, this is episode 150. Uh, this evening, uh, our lineup includes Glenn Fittick, 23-year-old Grand Crew, our shout-outs and get-it-togethers, followed by Restaurant Review, uh, which is actually a revisit to two restaurants, Fun You Guys and Twin Peaks. And then our a smarter challenge is the importance of accountability. Uh, Jesse will will give it a much better proper uh, introduction to it uh, <laughs> later on. <laughs> uh, before we start jumping in here, real quickly, thank you to all of our viewers uh, and subscribers on YouTube and Rumble. We greatly appreciate all of you, as well as all the many listeners on the many different uh, podcast platforms you can listen to us on. Uh, we greatly appreciate all of you as well. Um, it, please, uh, if you like our show, uh, please hit that like button, share, and subscribe, and leave some comments down below. We'd be more than happy to uh, respond to any of your comments. Uh, if we haven't done so yet, uh, we do plan to eventually uh, get to those. So it's not like we have a ton of them, <laughs> but if we miss one, we apologize. Uh, so uh, with that, let's get ready to rumble. Take my hand, we'll make it some. This week's Scotch, the Glen Fittick Grand Crew 23-year matured Scotch, uh, matured in both American and French oak, and then for its final six months, aged in a special rare exclave uh, French casks which were holding white wine destined to become a well-renowned champagne. That's about as open as they get. They don't say, oh, hey, it was X or Y or Z. It was Bollinger or, uh, you know, who knows? Any of the greats, Vuv, uh, man. So many great champagnes. One of my favorite things. Corbell. <laughs> <laughs> I know Corbell's sparkling wine. Yeah. Because they can't call champagne. Not from France. Not from France. Uh, but you never know. I mean, it could be a damn Dom Perignon cask. However, I don't think, I don't like. I don't know that it's any of those. But um, we are about to enjoy quite a treat. So this scotch is not for the faint of wallet. <laughs> I don't know about the faint of heart. But not for the faint of wallet. Um, the average liquor store right around here, when they rarely have it in stock it's going for right around 410 dollars a bottle so with tax about 450 because golly man if they don't get you in inflation they get you in tax so <laughs> with that i'm super excited to try this a little teeny bit about the glenton Fittick distillery um it is located in dufftown Murray, so it is a Speyside single malt scotch originally founded in 1886 um its current owner and longtime owner and you brought this up last time i butchered it was it's william grant and sons it's the fifth generation of this family that is now managing and that's how they word it i always love the uh, angles that's slanted with the wording of they now manage this for the fifth generation um it has been operational ever since its first run day which was christmas day in 1887 that's when they first ran what a their fun christmas day all right yeah hell yeah you kids now you know the presents, Daddy's gonna go have some fun. 
<laughs> make us all billionaires or something. Who knows? Uh, but with that, they've been running nonstop. Now, this is an amazing feat because most distilleries have mothballed or had to close their doors for short or long. Um, however, in the 1920s, when prohibition caused a lot of distilleries in Scotland to reduce their scotch output or um, even close their doors, William Grant and Sons upped their production, which ultimately put them in a great position for the end of Prohibition. So when Prohibition was repealed... Um, and they made great from that. Um, same thing in the 60s and 70s when everyone else was doing the blended scotches. William Grant and Sons. Uh, and there were a bunch of distilleries closing in the 60s and 70s. And also, William Grant and Sons again increased their production and focused on single malt scotches. Now, we mentioned during the last uh, tasting with the Grand Reserve of the 21-year-old, one of the things that they did that was brilliant was... Was their packaging so um, in the 70s they realized the importance of putting it in a canister or some packaging a to protect the bottle and the scotch and b as a form of advertising their product to really sell it as more than just a single malt scotch um, which definitely helped their business. They are the world's largest producer of scotch, and they are currently running 16 wash stills, 27 spirit stills. They have an annual output potential of 21 million liters a year. Um, they also have not only the greatest production, but the most drinking scotch on this planet, which is the Glenfiddich 12 year, that green canister. If you can still find it, what's uh, kind of interesting is Lately, it's been harder to find even Glenfiddich in their triangle-shaped tubes for their younger years. When I say younger, I'm not talking like 2, 4, 12, or... No, I am talking about 12, but I'm really talking about 12, 14, 15, and 16, and 18, and beyond. Um, we have had and been blessed to try a lot of great scotches from this Speyside distillery. Um, one of the things to mention is the Robbie Dew Spring is their water source, and they're located right there off the river um, in Dufftown Moray. Uh, and man, I am stoked to try this scotch. Lots of great history. You'll know them from the stag. Now, this is a different stag than the Dalmore has, uh, but uh, the Glenfiddich will be a treat. Uh, what do you want to add as far as potential tastings? Well, I'm actually really looking forward to trying this Grand Cru. Uh, <laughs> As far as like uh, tours or anything like that, if you just go to a couple episodes back, uh, you'll see that information. But real quickly, uh, a, a real quick recap on that. They're currently offering two basic types of tours. Uh, we got the Glenfiddich Distillery Tour, which is about 1.5 hours long and costs uh, about, well, it costs 25 Great British pounds. So I'm assuming uh, with uh, the exchange rate, it's going to be approximately like, I don't know, roughly 28, 29 USD. Um, it is only for uh, 18 and older. So uh, you cannot uh, have uh, young children uh, accompanying you. And it's available on Wednesdays through Sundays uh, from 9.30 um, is what it says here. So uh, You do want to arrive 10 minutes early prior to your booking time. 
And if you're going to cancel, there is a 24-hour time frame in which to cancel your, <coughs> your tour. Now, the other one is called uh, so, uh, Salerno Deconstructing, I believe, and that's 75 great British pounds. It's 2.5 hours, so you're talking roughly for USD, probably like right around 82 to $83. Um, this is an in-depth tour that will allow enthusiasts to discover their true art of whiskey making. Uh, following the distillery tour, you'll visit Warehouse 8, uh, home to their unique Solera process, and discover what makes, our, makes their 15-year-old such an exceptional dram. Uh, once again, uh, you have to be 18 or older to attend this. It's only available on Thursdays and Saturdays at 2 p.m. And once again, you got to arrive 10 minutes early and you have 24 hours in which to cancel your booking if you choose to just do that. If you choose to, to, to do so. Um, that's pretty much it on the tour side. All right. Well, Ah, man, I'm sure these are some pretty great tours. Um, one of the things in the 70s that Glenn Fittick um, did, that was a William Grant and Sons, um, one of their many generations that have been managing this, is they are one of the first distilleries that did have a, um, a, a visitor center. They brought this in, again, this advertising, this uh, immersive experience to bring their consumers and the elite probably back then uh, over to their distillery to really see and experience the making of it, the, the full experience, if you will, not just that you're drinking the Kool-Aid, but you got to mix up the sugar and the the powder and the water together uh, so kool-aid man running through your door um one last thing to remember is uh, we talked about this is the, the largest capacity in the world as far as um scotch they produce roughly 35 percent. that's more than a third for anyone who can do the simple math uh, more than a third of all the scotch drinking on this planet 35 percent is theirs and it is sold in over 180 countries on this marvelously round planet <laughs> all right well without further ado we're gonna dig right into this first thing to note the grand crew uh man much like the uh grand reserva um great packaging well done box heavy duty and on the frontier rotating door to hopefully heaven um so with that just like the other you pull down the rubber or foam stopper to release it from the top of the box even behind this beautiful dark glass bottle there is a glenfiddich flyer pamphlet uh call consider it a serial number if you will that talks even more about the experience the taste the innovation and finally the legacy of this glenfiddich scotch and glenfiddich scotches across the board um the bottle itself ah man beautiful heavy duty nothing to uh Oh, wow. Yeah. Consider as faint from heart. Uh, the foil, man, we're praying for real wood here. That's what she said. And also solid cork. Oh, the foil is uh, immaculately uh, cut, if you will, or uh, pinned so that it will tear easily. Oh, 
we're just skipping the wood. We're going straight to to metal here. So um, we have skipped the wooden topper, and we have a engraved or pressed Glenfiddich metal topper. Oh, and of course, they always use their damn pressed cork. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, man, this metal topper has some heft. Like, it's real metal. It's not just plated. I'm assuming maybe brass. Who knows? Um, That's pretty nice. It's pretty damn heavy for, like, don't drop this, by the way, on our toes. Uh, with that, though, if you can tell by the gauge, this is thick glass. The bottle, the shape of the bottle is one thing that's really nice. Even if your hands were wet, you can hold on to this triangularly shaped bottle very easily. It is not light, though. That is thick glass. It is dark glass. Uh, and I am excited for this scotch. All right. It's time for our tastings and our warp speed. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Grant Crew, uh, 23-year-old by uh, Glenn Fiddick. Uh, what an expression <laughs> this is. Uh, I'll just start off right away. Black tie affair, hell yes. <laughs> uh, you know, and since I went to the University of Colorado alumni oh. event, most definitely black and gold. How can you, like, uh, how can you not do that, right? Um, wow. What a... What a uh, this is an incredible expression from Glenn Fiddick. I honestly like after trying like their 12, 14, 15, 18, um, I wasn't quite sure they like they had something like this in them. Um, even their their Grand Reserva was quite a big step up, even from like those normal ones. Uh, these uh, higher end expressions are definitely a treat and um, well worth it, I, I would say. Um the uh the presentation what can i say about the presentation uh, other than it's incredible i love how they have it in the box there that with the swivel uh and then like the little like booklet behind uh, it, it's incredible and even the inside they 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 do a masterful job of like sticking with the black and gold as well uh to where it just uh uh makes for a great presentation and actually i think if i was having it you know, if I had it on my shelf, and even if it was empty and I had it on my shelf, I think because it's a black bottle, I would like I would just like have it open like that, just to have it displayed because of how it has like the black and gold right behind it, rather than having it be a closed box. Yeah, uh, I'd probably do that more so if it was empty though, as opposed to if it was full. Because um, if it was full, I don't really want light or too much stuff to really get to it. But if it's empty, who cares, right? <laughs> that point it's not gonna be full long yeah right um okay uh so presentation is obviously a five out of five the color i love the color here i have it as a nice amber gold color uh five out of five uh and uh yeah i really enjoyed that as well now for the nose uh first impression um when you first when just you first poured it out into one into the in the little sifter type glass here uh, i think these are called sifters right 
or snifters. Close enough to me. Okay, well, whatever they're (laughs) called, right? Uh, When he poured that dram in this one. My first impression is uh, that I got vanilla with sultanas, malt, uh, a little bit of fig, some floral notes, and hints of banana. But then he poured it in a larger cup here in a rocks glass. Uh, and it changed the the uh, profile slightly. I got ended up getting a lot more peach. Uh, there was a uh, uh, a little bit more. I, I got like maybe some like sandalwood, maybe as far as like uh, wood would go. Uh, but it like the the nose was phenomenal in either case. And uh, really, I think depending on what kind of glassware that you're using, it does alter the uh, the nose slightly, but it's still enjoyable either way. So I gave that a uh, 29 out of 30. Now, as far as a palate, here I have sugared almonds with vanilla, hints of lemon peel, buttered flaky croissant, and peaches, um, and it was uh, it was the the palate. It was had a nice balance of like some like like I said like a, like a buttery pastry like a flaky pastry like a like a like a good croissant, uh, but it also had like some that nice uh, vanilla flavor with some like smoked almond and. Near the end of that pal- of my palate for me, before, right before it goes into the finish, I get some peaches, which I really enjoyed. I thought this was a great, and this is a a, a great. Uh, I don't know how should I say this. It was is a it was a delightful balance of sweetness, of butter, uh, vanilla that danced upon my palate. Uh, which was a, extremely enjoyable, and uh, this was actually the highlight for me as far as this particular scotch goes. And I think this is the first time I've ever done this, but I gave it a thirty out of thirty. So did I. I'm just going <laughs> to shoot that out right now. Is, I was just like the palate. <laughs> the is palate. perfect. The palate, and it's and it's not like it's it's not it's not a it's not. It's not light body, but it's light enough. It's not quite medium to me, but it's not like a light body. It's like somewhere between medium and light. It's like a medium light body, maybe. Uh, but it just flows over smoothly. Um, no funny film or anything like that that coats your mouth. It's just it was great. And then my finish, I put dry malt with hints of cocoa and pear sweetness and sandalwood, uh, and it just like lingers there, nice and neat and. Honestly, I really enjoyed this finish. I didn't want it to end, um, and it made me crave more, so it makes <laughs> me want to go back and drink more. Uh, and here I gave it a 29 out of 30, uh, so a grand total of 98 points. Damn. All right. Yeah. I, I Really, I think as I drink more of it and as it's open a little bit longer. It's getting better. It's getting better. <laughs> and I honestly think, I, I, I hope like my 98 points is sufficient. But I think it's, I think this is definitely, uh, if you're going to splurge or if you have a, a you know a reason to celebrate or if you just have the money to spend and you have that disposable income, I think this is a great bottle to, to enjoy that, either alone or with a good friend or a special occasion. Uh, I think it's one that people should... Uh, 
if you're a scotch drinker, should have. And this is our special occasion. This is episode 150-150 for Scotch Hour. So definitely worthy of this celebration. Uh, man, I our reviews are fairly similar, um, and I... I think it's exceptional. I'm right there with you with the packaging. Nothing else has to be said beyond what you already said. The packaging is phenomenal. The bottle, uh, not even because of the black and gold, but I just love what they have done here. Plus with the box, um, again, not for the faint of heart. This is not a cheap scotch, but damn, is it good? Five out of five on presentation. I'm with you. The way this thing looks open with that bottle dynamite it is great um color here's what i gotta say about this color i don't know why this gold except for maybe the the black um the black glass because it's not painted it's not like the octomore where you can't see through it you can see through it that is legitimate glass and the black box and the gold but man whoever your sexiest Catwoman is and I'm not even saying she has to be in one of the movies, uh, not an actress. It can be someone you know, a friend, your wife, a girlfriend, whoever you want to see as Catwoman um, in the sexiest night of your life. This is the scotch she is drinking. That is this gold to me. Um, this whole presentation, this is the, the scotch that the sexiest Catwoman you can possibly imagine is drinking because it is that smooth and that's one of the things about Catwoman, man she was smooth now you get hit by the claws it's not going to feel so smooth then but otherwise man that's she, tomorrow yeah she <laughs> <laughs> she knows how to talk she knows how to walk and she knows how to impress that is absolutely this scotch so five out of five for color um again just deep gold um, this is the color of the scotch that your perfect cat woman would be drinking on the nose. I also gave it a 29 apple blossom or cherry blossom. I honestly, it could be both for me. Um, this most recent few sips, I've got more of the apple coming out all of a sudden. So maybe it is apple blossom, but I got that freshly baked, um, flaky bread, just like you did. A little banana, um, just the slightest hint of almond, but it's also sweet and crisp, like a sugared lemon peel. Um, oh, man, not like lemon zest. It's not biting. It's just like that slice of lemon peel with some sugar rubbed in. It is so perfect. And then the peach the peach pop it actually kind of pops at the beginning and at the end depending on how recently you've had um your sip it is fantastic um so on the nose a 29 on the palate already mentioned this i also gave it a 30 the palate <laughs> is so intricately layered it's almost unbelievable when i say layers i am literally going between um and this is interesting because, God, I love sandalwood lotion on my face, but I never thought I'd want it in a drink. But a hint of sandalwood followed by vanilla pear, followed by oak. Now that's followed by white grape, which is sweet. And then it doesn't go back to the oak. It goes to the vanilla, which makes sense because it's creamy. So now you got this like white grape, creamy vanilla. And then... 
You mentioned croissant. I think that's a better word for it. I was going to say buttered bread, like buttered French bread. It is a croissant. It's that buttery bread and then more peach, oak, and then all of a sudden, a little bit of spearmint pops out for me. And I love that because I, I, had no, I would never look for it. But when you get it, it leaves that crisp, clean, like non-oily coating in your mouth. And it helps everything feel fresh. Um, 30 for the palate. Uh, the finish, this one to me was the weak point. Um, the finish gets a 28. Um, so my total score is a 97, one point less than yours. Um, the finish, though, it is long. It is opulent. Um, I get that malt. I get the pear. And then I get that white wine oak sweetness, and it's dry, and I love it. I, I'm like you. I'm like, I don't know that a 97 is doing this justice, justice but that's where I landed it. Um, and it is fantastic. Black tie event, absolutely. Game night, it has to be a pretty damn special game. Yeah, and I and I said uh, I never even mentioned game night because like I wouldn't really bring it to a game night like you. It'd have to be something special. So yeah, this is not a. I don't know that, the, and I'm usually pretty open to be like, yeah, we'll blow a wad and take it to the. I I don't know that the average person playing a game could appreciate this. I think you almost need to be focused on it, um, or at least for a moment until you realize. Dude, it's getting bad. like I literally think I did it a an injustice. Um, I don't know that I'm justified in giving it a 97 all of a sudden, but it keeps getting better. Um, you're but, still in your you're still in your analysis. You can up it. If you want. <laughs> uh, for now, I will stick for a 97. I never thought anything would beat the Octomore two weeks ago. <laughs> I, you know, I. I, I literally either. didn't, but here it is. Um, well, and, no, and last, that's a tie for you though. The Octomore? Yeah, was it an Octomore 97? I think I only gave it a 96. I'm pretty sure you gave it a 97. I think we both gave it 97. Did we? It's either that or the Grand Reserva we gave it 97 too, but I'm pretty sure it's Octomore. Oh, man. Let me just peek real quick. Octomore. I gave it a 96. Oh, okay. I never thought anything would beat the Octomore. Um, very different, though. This is very different than that. Completely opposite. Yeah, so like honestly, like if you want, if you're looking for that heavy peat and, and something like that, that like smokiness a little bit, the Octomore will blow this out of the water. But it, like this has like a little bit. It's, this one's more elegant, I think. Yeah. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to really no, jump into your. No, your I think that's the perfect thing. I'm glad you said it because I don't know that I would have. Uh, thought to um, point that out because it's always an assumption hey octomore a super like super 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 heavily peated scotch only available for a very limited run every year from isla is completely different than this if you were trying to compare the two there is no comparison like that is not the way to do it you should actually probably not drink these two at the same sitting and i am all about flights but these two are so amazingly different and also amazing that you might almost ruin each other <laughs> yeah <laughs> um last thing though it doesn't have a place on the shelf absolutely take my hand we'll make it somehow we it's time for our shout-outs. Might get it together. Might be for maybe the human population of the world. Maybe it's just the British people. I'm not really sure. But the U.S. Uh, not the U.S. government, but the, the British government oh. the other day 
came out and finally admitted the masks never protected people from COVID. So I don't know who's supposed to get together. Is it the British government? I don't know. Is it the real population? I don't know. Is it the British people? I don't know. But somebody needs to get their act together and not fall for everything that the so-called experts tell us and actually like look at like peer reviews and stuff like that. Let's face the facts from the get-go. You and I were never people who believed in the masks. No. And this isn't about us, but at the same point, my whole point is because science, you know, because math people like to say, I like to say because science, like what the hell? But man, maybe your shout, your get together is also a shout out because at least they're coming out cleaning house so to speak and they're trying to make a point like hey they're gonna try like we got fooled to is i guess what they're saying uh don't let these people fool you into ruining our economy again because it would only get worse well here's what i don't get right the uh, virus molecule is like what 0.02 microns or something and like the fibers in a mask are so much larger than that the air gaps yeah yeah they're like the, there's no way like that means it's just gonna like go through it's like trying to stop a mosquito in a chain link fence it's not gonna happen could could the mosquito hit like the, the the chain link part yeah it could but most likely it's gonna fly right through it let's just take it from a whole different level let's just go here for one minute eyes eyes in the 80s we learned stay away from people with aids Okay. Because it's a virus. And if someone, uh, if you get semen in your eyes, you can get the AIDS virus. Who's going to get semen in their eyes? <laughs> I am just going to the point of <laughs> semen is not airborne normally. <laughs> normally. Yeah. However, what it was? It could shoot. What it was airborne? COVID all over the air, getting in your eyes left and right. That's not going to get you. But the semen is don't have sex, just say no. And we remember all the slogans. Yeah. Our generation was scarred by them. <laughs> and with that, though, so we're worried about it from a liquid that is not airborne. Getting into your eyes. This is what we were told in high school, in middle school. But all of a sudden, eh, just COVID, just wear this mask. Yeah. Come on. So I'm actually going to give them credit, though, to say, hey, by the way, like, wake up. You guys are all idiots. <laughs> and I think it's the people. I think it's all the, all the above. People, government. And for those of us in America, you got to understand, there are so many countries around the world that have not flourished like we have that have suffered far more than we are um it's, it is interesting like they are going to take different routes yeah anyways that, that was mine all right i think that's great so my shout out and or get together are potentially one or the other but we're not going to know for a year you know why because lewis hamilton signed <laughs> a contract to race for ferrari next year and i don't know if this is a shout out to a has been Hamilton or to a could be Ferrari, or if it's a get it together for what's about to be a get it together fail Ferrari and uh Hamilton who's laughing all the way home with his millions. I'm sure it's 50 plus for the contract. Like no way it's less. Um, but the one thing I do want to say is the one thing I have always held against Hamilton versus other drivers 
um, one man Fangio being probably the greatest is Hamilton has only ever won with one team. And the other drivers that I've always considered greats were drivers that went to another team, not after a current world champion or a previous world champion, aka Michael Schumacher, went to the Mercedes team, developed the car with Rosberg, and then handed it over essentially to Hamilton. Um, but to someone who went to a, a car manufacturer, a, a Formula One team, and then created a team that won championships, here's the tricky part. Here's where the clock, like it almost, it's, I think it's probably an emotional or a staged decision. And that is, we've got one year from now before he'll race in the Ferrari. Then he's got one year before all the rules, rules change again. Hmm. So he doesn't have time to change a new car unless he's planning on being there for at least another four years. Honestly, I think it's going to be a bust, but that's just my I don't, opinion. I wouldn't doubt he never even gets in the car. That's a possibility. I heard that too. I heard that there is a possibility he would not drive. So it, you know, it seems like a weird deal if you ask me. I don't, and I think, were you the one who was saying like uh, uh, his backyard backs up against... Uh, backs to Total Wolf... And so here's the other thing that's super interesting about that. This all happens while Toto Wolf's wife, who works for the FIA, was being investigated for the equivalent of insider secrets or insider trading between the FIA and the and her husband. <laughs> and he's like, it's time to go. And then he's also saying, though, hey, this is Did Wolf no retire? No. Oh. He's still doing his thing. She's still doing her thing. Oh, the investigation got dropped. And what I will respect, this is a shout out to all the teams actually got up and they're like, none of us said any of this about her or him. And at the end of the day, it's there's no secrets. There are no secrets. They like literally the FI literally is like, here's the plan, guys. Like she's not going to have a secret. And all the teams stepped up and said, hey, this is bogus. Drop this crap. Let's not do this right before we start another great year of Formula One racing because it is literally right before. Like, let's just get back to racing. And then they go to the uh, award ceremony that Formula One does every year. And they're like, oh, right before the award ceremony. Oh, we have dropped the investigation. It's not warned. All this. It's like. Doesn't the new uh, season start like in two weeks or something? Yeah, we're a few weeks away. Yeah. <laughs> so good for us. Um, but it is interesting that all of that, th that's why they call it the silly season in Formula One. What the hell is going <laughs> on? Take my hand, we'll make it somehow. We can't miss out. <laughs> So this week, we mixed it up a little bit. We did have a few options to go to new restaurants. However, we chose to do something else. And what we chose to do was go back to some restaurants of which we hadn't given modern or current scores to. So we went back to Twin Peaks. And this is the one off of Arapaho Road in Centennial. And we also went back to Fun You Guys, which is off of Cottonwood, right at Parker Road. And we had some meals and we had some fun and it was pretty enlightening to me on both occasions. Um, so ultimately what I would say is let's review Twin Peaks back and forth, review fun, you guys. And if there was one, which would the one be? Okay. All right. You want to start? I'll start. First of all, with Twin Peaks, 
obviously the location hasn't changed or anything like that so it still sucks trying to get into the parking lot um although this parking lot was a little bit more well lit than some of the other parking lots agreed um walking in it's like you're kind of going into i don't necessarily want to say like a log cabin but it's like something you see more like in the mountains than you would like in a in a city cityscape area the wait staff uh is women uh, and they still have like the short shorts. Uh, it is winter time, so you saw them wearing like Sorel, like winter boots. And uh, the one thing I noticed is like they changed their tops. Their tops were no longer the flannel lumberjack type of tops. Tied. Uh, yeah, that were tied. <laughs> now they're like some like short crop top type of soccer jersey. Type yeah, of soccer jerseys like that had like a flannel print on it. And uh, honestly, I think they should go back to the flannel tops. Do you? Yeah, kind of like the sporty football. I like the I like the I like the uh, flannel <laughs> tops more. <laughs> Any case, uh, do we try to jump in the food real quick? Yeah, yeah? go okay. for it. All right, so I think we basically got the same meal <laughs> at uh, both places. <laughs> at both places, uh, <laughs> I forget exactly what it was called, like the uh, brisket nachos, double stack brisket nachos, double stack brisket nachos. I thought it was great. One of the things I loved about the nachos is. Uh, at least on the menu, it said that they just used melted cheddar. And I really have, I don't know, a dislike for places that use that nacho cheese fake stuff that looks like plastic. Although near the end of my uh, my meal, I feel like they actually did use some of that nacho cheese in there. Because like, it looked like a couple spots looked like it was more like like that soupy plastic uh, nacho cheese stuff rather than melted cheddar. Uh, but I didn't really, if they did use that... Uh, Shame on them, as far as my opinion goes. Uh, but it, I didn't. I wouldn't. I didn't notice until the end, so that's fine too. Um, but it had great flavor. The brisket was great. Uh, the uh, I don't know the the salsa that they had off to the side. I don't even know if that was called, but that was that tasted great. But I didn't discover that to way later until after you told me about it. <laughs> I'm like, try this <laughs> <laughs> because I was already enjoying my meal so much. I like like these nachos are great, you know, and I. Uh, uh, they give you a, a nice amount of like uh, guacamole on there. The one, the one problem I had, at least with my nachos, is I got a little. They gave me some like some fatty pieces from the brisket in there, and so that that part I didn't really enjoy too much with my nachos. Uh, but overall. Once again, I'm very impressed with Twin Peaks and their food. Uh, would I meet a friend there? Definitely. I paused there because I was like, would I take a date there? And I'm like, I don't know because here's the thing. The food is great. I think like if the food is wor is date worthy, uh, but you're going to like a place that's kind of similar to like a, a, a mountain version of Hooters, I guess. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are Twin Peaks, dad? <laughs> well, son, let me explain. We'll just go to the but, restaurant. You can see for yourself. But here's the thing is like, you actually saw like women in there with their boyfriends or women in there with their husbands and stuff. So I suppose if a woman's not offended by it, then sure, I guess you can have a, a date there. I'm just not sure that would be my ideal spot to take a date there. Um, <laughs> unless it's like on the way to doing something else and it's something you know, whatever. Uh, it's, I don't think it's a destination spot, but I think they have like, it's a great spot to, if you want to watch a sports game and have good food, uh, the wait staff, uh, or at least the waitress that we had, um, I don't know, you know, uh, 
near the end, she she became a lot more friendly. I think she was not having a good day that day. She seemed like she didn't want to be there or it was near the end of her shift or she's having a bad day or something. Uh, but after I asked her about her tattoo, all of a sudden she, yeah, she actually got kind of excited and, and uh, was a lot more friendly to us. But that was like like 10 minutes before we left. So, yeah. that, was, so that, was, that doesn't really count. So all food, I give that a good solid nine. Um, the atmosphere inside, I this time around, I enjoyed it better. But then I think again, you didn't have any like really creepy like dads trying to like uh, do something with their kid there. So it was a much more enjoyable atmosphere this time around. Uh, I give that I give it an eight. Um, and then as far as the wait staff goes, I was kind of disappointed in our waitress. Uh, so that's like a like a six. Uh, I just think I don't think she did a very good job up front. I think after she like after we talked about the the uh, the tattoo, that's when I think she showed her potential. And if we had that kind of potential from the get go, or that or that kind of service from the get go, I would have given a much higher rating for the for the service. So uh, overall, uh, I would say it's probably about a a seven point five. I guess uh, I think I think what what really brings it down was the service was uh, I was kind of put off a little bit by the service. Uh, but it's like 7.5 to an 8. All right. Well, I'm right there in line with you pretty close. So Twin Peaks, my first experience there uh, was not a good one, mostly because I was disgusted by these two dads talking to their young sons about, oh, gate, wait, let's get your picture taken with the eye candy. And that is what ruins a setting like that for me. However, this time around, as you mentioned, everyone there was very mature. And I actually think that's how it should be, um, even the ladies. So when I say the ladies, the ladies there were there in groups of ladies or with other men. I thought it was fantastic. So much like Noah, I had the double stacked brisket nachos. $14.29, worth every penny. That was a lot of food. Um, it was really good, followed by a Voodoo Ranger IPA. They only offer it in the small pour because it's their highest alcohol content beer. Uh, $6.29 for that. Meh. And then the Stone Tangerine Express IPA, tall pour, $8.69. Um, overall, my experience was good. I, I did enjoy... Um, the atmosphere I gave an eight, the environment outside, it's just a difficult one to get to because of the way it's located off of uh, Arapahoe Road, although there may be a different way that we just haven't found yet that's super convenient and we're just not aware of it. Uh, the service, I gave a little bit higher than you did. I think the service ultimately was, for me, an eight because I'm not considering this a high-end restaurant. I will admit she wasn't great, um, but the service wasn't bad. Food for me was a nine. The only thing that stopped the food from being a 10 for me was even though they're my favorite style of chips, the Thinton Cantina style of chips, you brought this up and I agree, man. Like if I was to make this plate in a restaurant, I'd have two thickness of chips because that's who I am. And I'd have the Thin Cantina, Cantina style chips on the bottom topped with some thicker ones so they didn't get just all soggy instantly because those Cantina style chips are so thin and crispy and delicious. However, the moment <laughs> they get some brisket on them, they do soak up the fat and the juice and they become... Less than crispy. Less than crispy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's the only thing that kept the food from being a 10. Otherwise, the food is a 9. Um, overall value, an 8. 
Um, and with that, my total score, when I do the math, ends up being an eight. Would I meet a friend there? Absolutely. Guy or girl? Uh, I would meet a friend there. Would I take a date there? Not by my choice. However, if she asked, I wouldn't hesitate. But I wouldn't say, hey, let's go here. Because to me, that would almost be disrespectful. And so it's interesting because I don't think it's wrong. However, if I think for one second that she would catch me or imagine catching me looking at one of the young ladies in their outfits, then that's where it's also an environment situation that now I, the I have ruined the atmosphere if I am not careful. And then also you like, set yourself up to fail. Right. And if she's not self-confident, I'm setting myself up to fail there too. If I'm like, hey, she's not going to feel comfortable. Like, so not unless she, a date asked, um, otherwise it is not a destination. <laughs> <laughs> but the nachos, we went there praying we were going to get the uh, fries, the sweet pork um, fries we got last time, no longer on the menu. These brisket nachos were pretty damn good though. Yeah, Maybe were. even better. All right, fun you guys. Uh, parking lot, it's okay. Uh, lighting outside, it's actually well lit there too, yeah. which is kind of nice. Uh, the inside, definitely a pub atmosphere. You got uh, a couple like uh, billiard tables off to the right. It's a uh, pretty open air and it's darkly lit, uh, so it's not very well lit in there. Um, uh, it's just basically your yeah, like your typical bar that you would you would expect to kind of go into. Um, the food, <clears throat> I went with the uh, blackjack burger, which has Anaheim um, Anaheim uh, uh, chili pepper on there with uh, cheddar cheese, I believe it was, and uh, anoli, and uh, yeah, I thought it was great. I loved it actually. I was telling Jesse, like, yeah, when I lived in Utah, there was a place called Apollo Burger that had this Anaheim burger that I used to get all the time because I loved it. And this was right up there. This had great flavor with the Anaheim chili pepper on there and stuff like that. I like this burger a lot. On Mondays there at Fun You Guys, or Fanoogies, I don't know how you pronounce it. Fanoogies. I think it's supposed to be Fun You Guys, but guys. I always say Fanoogies Okay. Too. <laughs> uh, but in case... Uh, I love the burger there. It was a great burger. On Mondays, it's half off, so it was $8. Well, $7 for the burger, but then they charge you a dollar for the fries or dollars for the tots. So really, $8. <laughs> Unless you're getting, I think, probably like Regular a, French fries. Well, that's for the regular French fries and, or tots. It's $1. Uh, but I believe for anything like uh, sweet potatoes, it's like two uh, sweet potato fries or anything like that. I think it's like an extra two dollars. No, like how I understood it is, you get fries, but if you want tots or sweet potato fries or anything else, then you pay the dollar up charge. Because mine was a dollar up charge too, and oh, I had okay. the sweet potato fries. All right, well there we go. Uh, anyways, uh, I'm gonna give him the burger in a nine. I, I like Fuck the burger yeah. a lot. Uh, actually, this time around, being at this place, I thought the waitress. I thought the waitress did a great job. Uh, up until the end, up until the end, yeah, she she went kind of disappeared. Yeah, for a she, moment. <laughs> she kind of disappeared. But up to that point, she was uh, doing pretty well. Uh, so I'm gonna give her a seven. <laughs> um, the atmosphere there, I don't know. Uh, I'm not usually a big fan of going there because of the atmosphere because it it tends to be a little loud in there, um, and it's kind of like a weird. 
I think young, when I was younger, going to a place like this, I, you know, we would call it like a meat marketplace. But this, like, because, you know, yeah. There like, was no meat. <laughs> yeah, there was like no meat there. Or if there was meat, it's like uh, aged meat. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, you're going to pay a lot for that. <laughs> I probably will. <laughs> it's <laughs> <laughs> like an aged meat market dude aged steaks are so expensive <laughs> they really are dry aged and man yeah. oh. <laughs> any case tons uh, of flavor though tons of flavor and tender i don't know about that <laughs> i mean Steaks, yes. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Your steaks. <laughs> uh, so uh, value, I thought the value is great. <laughs> As we got sidetracked there, <laughs> love my expensive old me. Would I take a date there? Uh, probably not. When I meet a friend there, most definitely. Uh, once and then here, once again, I, I'm getting. I'm going to give it overall an eight. I think. I think eight's a pretty good uh, deal for it. Um, it's not a destination for me, but I could see going there on Mondays because a it's nearby, b the pricing was good, uh, and also uh, on Monday night it wasn't super loud like it's been the last couple times I've been there. So that part I didn't mind. All right, was well, Noah mentioned fun you guys there. Uh, my experience is a little bit different than yours. It sounds like uh, more different than it was at Twin Peaks. But I do love the fact that you brought up, and this is something to consider, the importance of uh, anyone in any relationship, in this case a waitress, being present at the beginning versus the end. <laughs> like, to when, is it, when should you deliver? <laughs> Um, and it's, it may be different for everyone. Anyway, again, half price burger Monday, which ultimately means seven price burger Monday. Pay a dollar for the upcharge for tots. Dude, the toss were the bomb. Um, on uh, on February, Tuesday, uh, the first Tuesday of every February is uh, National Tater Tot Day. I went to Sonic and was so disappointed. <laughs> but I went there because everyone else was packed when I was going to go get my tots. Um, and I, literally, to this point, I'm like disgusted. I, I, I ate them because I bought them. And even right now, Days later, I'm like disgusted. Uh, also, my sweet potato waffle fries I thought were delicious. And what was beautiful about them, value wise, is you got a ton of tots, and I had a damn tray full of my sweet potato fries. I actually had to work to eat them all. Uh, the burger, so the blackjack uh, burger, you mentioned this, cheddar cheese. Um, blackened seasoning, Anaheim peppers, bacon, chipotle and ole, um, and then my sweet potato waffle fries. All of that for $8 um, was a steal. I had a Palisade peach on draft, which was a treat because once in a while you get them and it's perfect, and this one was perfect, $6.50. Um, ultimately, I gave the environment. The parking lot is not sexy, but it's not bad, and also you can get to it pretty easily from multiple directions. I got it, eight. Atmosphere inside. I don't mind that atmosphere. I actually like that atmosphere. The last several times, I usually go during lunchtime and it's quiet. So maybe that could be a difference too. Um, I like the atmosphere. I also an eight. The service tonight um, could have been a little bit better, but ultimately I gave the service an eight as well. Food. The food was a nine. Um, and actually, I should probably have given it a 10, but the food, my burger was perfect. Medium rare. They got the temperature literally perfect. 
I didn't need to add anything to this burger to enjoy every last bite. And then value, absolutely a nine at that price. Um, I wish the beers might have been a little bit cheaper, but I could have also just bought a cheaper beer because they do have some pretty uh, sweet uh, or sick happy hour deals where you get some uh, local beers, not local, domestic drafts, but not craft beers for like three bucks, 350, I think it was. Um, uh, ultimately, overall an 8.4. When I meet a friend there, absolutely. Now, here's where you and I differ. I actually would take a date here because it's not like you're going to a meat market. You're going for a decent bar. And from my last several experiences, great food. Like literally the food has been great. I would have actually preferred though that karaoke or something was going on as a little bit of a distraction because it was it was sad in there. That's the one reason it, the atmosphere only got an eight is because it was so dead on a Monday night and they were reserving all these prime tables for their pool league. Um, and that kind of took away some of the sexiness because when those 80-year-old pool players started showing up, I was just like, and it's time to go. We're out. Age meat market. Yeah. Um, for me though, here's what's interesting. If I'm just going for a quick bite for some great food and pretty damn good service and location, to me, this is a destination. Um, if you haven't tried it, go try their chips, their homemade chips and salsa. Delicious. Um, their lunchtime slider, happy deal. <laughs> happy meal. <laughs> uh, also delicious. The burgers tonight were fantastic. I cannot think of a meal I've had there or a snack I've had there that I didn't love. So for me, it is a destination. Take my hand, we'll make it somehow We can't miss out I'm done living life with the lights I'll die with my own doubts All right, to quite simply sum it up Part of this was to make a commitment And then as each other's accountability Take the necessary steps to be there and present enough Without potentially becoming overbearing and really for us ourselves to think about what is it we need from an accountability buddy what is it we're really looking for and my guess is particularly for neither of us we're not looking for a damn drill sergeant <laughs> no not at all in fact uh, i don't think i even asked you once uh, how often anyway <laughs> I must have been crappy. <laughs> so, so I will actually say you weren't, but we'll get there. Um, you know, when you think about the basics with this, what is it with a commitment? So Noah's commitment was to go to the gym between last podcast and this one three times. Right. Mine was seven. We both accomplished. Um, what is it that you really... It, was there something you were looking for in an accountability, buddy? Well, here's the thing. Um Actually, a couple of my mentors in the past said that if you're motivated enough, you don't need someone to be accountable to. Uh, it's because that you have the want and desire and the drive to, to achieve whatever it is you want to go do in the first place. So really having someone to be accountable to in that sense, uh, if it's a goal that you're going after, uh, really you really shouldn't need to have one. But here's the thing is like the average person or most people uh, – that's not the case, right? I mean, like my mentors, they're they're all multi million dollar people, uh, so they've they've, you know, obviously that that for them that's driven. But they even have people that they're accountable to because I know a couple of them are trying to get into like the higher in the higher ranks there as far as like earning more money, uh, and having more success. So 
here's the thing having someone to be accountable to you don't necessarily need to have in my opinion uh from what from my own experience is that you don't need someone to be there hounding you every moment of every day or whatever saying like hey where you uh, where you at where you at where you at but you have to have some sense of uh of of um a relationship or a sense of like you don't want to let that person down as well as like, you're not you don't want to let yourself down and so here this kind of i think this worked out well for both of us because like i didn't want to let you down by not showing up and doing my own uh you know what i committed to and even you know i i it took me to the wire uh but i got it done uh, and i even let you know too i was like hey i'm doing this and i made, i made my final my final uh my final day into the gym um so I think a part of it is you need someone who understands you uh, in a sense, uh, willing to hold you accountable when necessary. But I think at the same time, when you choose a person that uh, you want to be, a, you know, to have hold you accountable, uh, it should be someone that you don't want to necessarily let down. Because here's the thing, uh, and I had a, an old manager say this: "Don't ever make me be your manager," right? Just do what you're supposed to do and don't make me be your manager. So in this case, it's like don't make your accountability your accountability buddy be like a drill sergeant to you. So just just do it. Uh, and I think that's kind of like my slight takeaway here. Yeah, no, I, I agree for me as well. So I, I would phrase for myself, even though I think we're super similar, um, a different piece of competition involved. And at the end of the day, people work to avoid negative consequences. What we have to figure out when we're being either a boss or a friend or a partner or anything is where do we need to lean in or not lean in to be a good accountability buddy. And accountability buddy can be accountability partner, it can be accountability friend, it can be whatever the circumstance lays into. Um, but the thing is, it is very specific to the person of what is this, this the point where they will take action to avoid a negative consequence. Now, I, I think for me, the biggest piece is if I make a commitment, the negative consequence I don't wanna fail is to myself. And I think here's what's interesting. I have made so many commitments at work and in other stages of life that I've actually killed personal relationships because I make these commitments, but I am very cautious not to overcommit, especially outside of work. So if I make a commitment and my seven workouts, I was like, okay, if I miss one one day, I'll do two the next. And I know I can physically do that, so I'm good. Um, and I followed the rules and I followed the parameters and we, we both got it done. But I think that's a, a big piece for me is um, just making sure that I was competing to make sure if I mentioned something to you, this is what I'm going to get done. I freaking got it done. Um, so as far as an accountability buddy, it was someone who was like, I, neither of us really had to follow up with each other. But we put it out there, but where we won, and you made this comment, and this was a great comment that you made is, you let me know. So it was still 
on both of our minds, hey, we made this commitment, we're on track, we're not on track, where are we at? But part of the accountability piece is, as far as a good accountability buddy in my mind is, you're not a damn drill sergeant, you're not harping, unless somebody absolutely needs that. Neither of us want that. Um, <laughs> hopefully neither of us need that. But the, the bigger point is, it's this piece of, hey, like, hey, tell me where you're at, let me keep track. And more so it's caring, it's, it, it's uh, hey, we both want to lose a, you know, a couple LBs or gain some muscle or do this or gain more energy, whatever our goals are, we're aimed at doing that. And we just are, we're there for the other person to be like, Hey, where are you at? It's that simple. Yeah, it is that simple. And I think also a good, uh, a good thing to note is that if you are choosing someone to be accountable to or hold you accountable to your goals or whatever you're trying to do, uh, it's, you have to choose the right person um, and it has to be someone that you trust because here's the thing when it comes to when you're pursuing something, like if it's a goal, uh, it has to be realistic to you. Right. Uh, and it might seem a little bit crazy to other people, but it has to be stretchingly realistic because I mean, you, if I say like, Oh, I'm just going to go to the gym one day, like, well, anyone can just do it one day. Right. I, and but the thing is, like, you don't want it to be, you don't want your goal to be so weak that you don't really need to account, be accountable or have someone hold you accountable. But at the same time, you don't want to be super crazy either, saying like, I'm gonna go 20 times in a week, right? But uh, whoever you, whoever it is that you're trusting to be your accountability buddy or person or, or whatever, uh, it has to be something that you can trust, that you can share what your goal is. That they're not going to laugh at you. They're not, you know, they're going to support you or whatever. And, the, and then, you know, kind of help guide you if you if you fall off the rails a little bit. Yeah. I agree with what you just said 100%. Um, and I think when we were making this commitment a week ago now, one of the things we talked about to each other is like, hey, like, if we didn't do it on the air, we did it afterwards. Are you good with this goal? And I think a really, truly great accountability buddy is someone who's not trying to keep track of your every damn move. That, like, that's weird. But what isn't weird is just someone who's like, hey, man, I, I hear I hear your commitment. Are you good with this? Like, are you like, are you doing this with with the right tools? Can you actually accomplish this or are you already overcommitting? Because the moment an accountability lets uh, accountability buddy lets you overcommit, this can be a parent. It can be a friend, again, a lover or spouse, anyone. Um, and the moment someone lets you overcommit, they're letting you fail. They're setting you up for failure. Right. And I think that was part of what was great is I think you knew, hey, Jesse's been doing this for a couple of weeks now. He says seven. He's got this. Um, and when you said three, I was like, I actually think this is great. Because uh, that's another thing is you have to trust an accountability buddy. And you're like, hey, trust that I know. Jesse, I'm doing a ton of X and Y and Z, and you had a lot going on this this past week, and I could have been a dick and be like, I won't be a drill sergeant. You need to do six if I'm going to do seven. No. Like, hey, threes, where you are, are comfortable landing, and it's still an accomplishment, that's a win. And I think that's a big piece of being, again, a friend or anyone that is being, you know, accountable is an accountability uh, buddy is ultimately a friend who's like, I'm not going to let you overcommit because I don't want you to fail. I want you to win. And I will actually tell you, hey, yeah, Jesse, 14 workouts, you're being <laughs> a, go a, a goof. Like, don't be a ghostbuster, buddy. <laughs> like, not this week. Just go with seven. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I do think, like, uh, if you have major goals in life, um, you definitely need to have an, you know, someone to keep you accountable and, uh, 
it, it is an important part of your progress and growth to have that as well. Uh, and I think this really goes hand in hand with your last uh, Spark Challenge with overcommitting because um, part of like setting your goal or part of whatever you're trying to achieve uh, or her, whoever you're trying to be accountable to is that you most likely you're being accountable to yourself. Ultimately, that's where really where it boils down to is accountability to yourself because there is a habit that we get ourselves into. If we allow ourselves to slip once or we fail once, then it's really easy for us to build that habit of continue to fail in our, uh, in our obligations or in our goals. And so then at that point, we are no longer hitting what we wanted to hit or go or get the goals that we wanted to do. Uh, this also coincides with overcommitting because you might overextend yourself. And because you overextend yourself, now all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is way too big. I can't do this anymore. And now I've started a, a uh, systematic waterfall trickle down effect of failures all the way down. And at a certain point, you just, you know, a person can get to like, screw it, whatever, I'm done, I'm failed. And then they just continue to fail. So I think uh, by your accountability person, uh, trusting them to also like be honest with you saying, hey, I think you might be over committing is a good aspect. Yeah. It really is. I, I, I agree. And it's also hard. It is. I Especially see. if you've got any sort of real friend or if it's a partner. Like, oh, yeah. You want to do it four times on your birthday? Good luck. I mean, <laughs> how about let's just let's start with two. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, as a friend, hey, dude, we're, what's that movie, World's End, where they go to, is it like 13 breweries? Yeah, something like that. And they find out it's like uh, aliens or, or yeah. robots or something. Yeah. But with all of that, it's like, okay. Like, the, hey, man, let's go to 13 breweries on my 48th birthday. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, let's start with six. <laughs> right. And that's over the course of a week, okay? Like, <laughs> just making it more realistic. I love what you said because it's 100% true because we, if you are a friend, if you do care about this person, you don't want them to fail because once they start to fail, you are creating a perpetual disaster. Um you know, you're creating future potential for more failure versus I went three times this week. I'm going to go four next week. Hey, guess what? Does that work for your schedule? Oh, no. Can you still go three? Yeah, great. Okay. Right. Two weeks later. Oh, you know, I'm going to go three times again. Hey, wait a minute. Like, how's your schedule this week? Uh, it's completely open. Hey, now might be the time to go four. Can you go four? Yeah, you sure? Yeah, good. Yeah, I, th I think that's also a good part that you're talking about right there is about building good habits. Because you have to build a like you have to get yourself in the habit. Once you get once you get into the habit, and this is the same thing with like with winning or even losing. Once you get into the habit of like like winning, like you gotta celebrate your little wins, and that'll eventually get you to the big goal or to the big win. And once you get into that hypnotic, uh, I guess I don't want to say trance, but uh, th there's a book I read that talks about it, but it's basically you're on that frequency where you just continue to go and you hit it and you hit it and you hit it. Um, and then it works opposite in the opposite direction too. And so uh, I think you make a good point there. Like your accountability, your, the per your accountability person saying like, Hey, you know, Hey, you might be over committing this one. Let let's like, let's make sure you can hit what you're going to hit. And then when they're like a week is a little bit more open, like, okay, now let's try to bump it up and build that habit to where you want to get to that, to that spot you want to get to. Because once you get into that habit, once you're in a habit, it's just automatic at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, good. That was, that was good. I like that point that you made there. 
All right. Well, anything else you want to drill in here or? No, not really. I think it's just, it's important. I think it, it works with uh, having success and, and it really plays into some of the other stuff that you, that you've talked about or had us talk about. Yeah, no, I, that's part of the goal is uh, part of our smaller challenges to help us and you grow. Nice. All right. I guess for, uh, are we ready for next uh, week? All right. So next week's smarter challenge. Um, it will be uh, looking at the B-17 Flying Fortress of World War II. And with this, um, we don't you don't have to watch it because I know you don't really watch a ton of TV. Uh, but I do suggest maybe we watch the first three episodes of the... Um, uh, it's the new TV series that came out. I think uh, Masters of the Air on Apple TV. Okay. Uh, so... so uh, and it's about a the 100th uh, Air Squadron that flew the B-17s uh, into uh, Germany and stuff and uh, did a lot of the bombings. So. All right. So I think it'd be kind of interesting to kind of look at a history of like a World War II B-17 Flying Fortress. Uh, I really love like the, the TV series uh, Band of Brothers from HBO and, uh, and Pacific. Uh, <clears throat> those were about the uh, European theater and the... Uh, 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 the Japanese or the Pacific theater. And then this is a, uh, a new look, but looking at it from like the airman perspective uh, from the, from the bombers and what they went through and stuff like that. So uh, I think that'd be kind of interesting. I think it'd be great. All right. Um, I guess to close it up here, uh, I'll simply say thank you to everyone who's uh, lasted this long. Uh, thank you to, to watching us on YouTube and Rumble. We greatly appreciate all of you guys who do that. And to all of you who listen to us on the many different uh, podcast platforms that you may listen to us on, we greatly appreciate you listening to us uh, this evening as well. Uh, if you do like our content, please like, share, and subscribe. And also leave some comments down below, and we'll uh, we'll get to those and answer you. And we love seeing what your guys' point of views are, uh, and, and whether or not you agree or disagree with us on our tastings. It's always awesome to hear from all of you as well. And uh, with that, I'll pass it over to Jesse to close right. us out. Remember, drink responsibly. Please don't drink and drive. Um, so yeah. Just don't do it. Um, please don't drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Remember, life is great. That does not mean it's going to be easy. Actually, if it's too easy, you won't appreciate what you've got. Um, but also, with some of our last shows, like really consider about history. I think you brought up some great points there. But then also think about how do you layer on your own learnings? Um, how do you layer on over committing, but then bringing in other people? Because sometimes we're blindsided, uh, whether or not you're severely narcissistic and we're blindsided by our own potential so bringing in uh partners um there are accountability buddies and or being accountable um for yourself and also your kids lots of different ways to look at that um, but remember life is great that does not mean it's going to be easy and until next week scotchman cheers cheers we hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.